He is risen. Three small words that brought the collective pace of humanity to an absolute standstill. He is risen. Three words that shattered prisons. Words that shook the earth's foundations. Words that transformed a sense of utter despair into cries of pure joy and ecstasy. Echoes of history's greatest triumph that still shape our reality. Even today, we're assaulted by constant distraction, countless sources waging war for our attention, yet three words pierce the noise. In our hunger for validation, our desperate pleas for love and attention, three words calm our anxieties. In a universe spinning at breakneck speed, its inhabitants locked in an existential crisis, three words proclaim the purpose of our existence. He is risen. Lay hold of this truth and embrace the peace within. Yesterday, fear reigned in our hearts. Yesterday, we sat in crippling darkness. Yesterday, we suffered abuse and all the accusations of a broken world. But today, our king, our healer, our defender is risen. And this reality doesn't merely accompany us on a meaningless journey. This changes everything. For you see, if he is risen, then all other pursuits become secondary. All of our failures become insignificant. All criticisms and condemnations become irrelevant. There is only His word, His mission, and His infinite, unconditional love for you. Because He is risen, we look to tomorrow. Tomorrow, we will stop defining our worth through status and social media. Tomorrow, we will together build an everlasting kingdom. Tomorrow and every day after, we will dance in the radiance of a redeeming savior who crushed death and set us free. There is nothing that Jesus cannot overcome. We know this because he lives. We know this because he is risen. I hope those three words will pierce through your clutter of your life, your problems your trials, your difficulties, I pray those three words will resonate to you today. He is risen. Because the God of the Bible is a God of hope. And I'm so thankful we can do that. Uh, we can be here today to share that message and to rejoice in that truth and fact. Parents, thank you so much. I know you have your kids with you. You know what? Don't worry about it. They make a little noise. It's okay. We ask them to stay in every now and then. And if you have to head out with them, that's fine. We just love having them there. This is a family service. It's a family time that we celebrate Easter together. And kids, I'm not going to talk real long. I said that last week. <laughs> I'm going to go a little faster in this service, Carl. <laughs> Jim, Alice, and Rob Walton are all heirs of the fortune of their father, Sam Walton, who began Walmart in 1962. Walmart 
is the uh, largest retailer, annual sales of some $500 billion through their nearly 12,000 stores worldwide. As a result of their inheritance, uh, Sam Walton's descendants have a combined wealth of $163.2 billion, making them the wealthiest family in America. But I want to talk to you today about an inheritance greater than that. Not just a little greater than that. Infinitely greater than that. Because God wants to give us an eternal inheritance that will never fade away. One of Jesus' followers, Peter, spoke of it, preached about it, and he wrote about it in a letter he wrote in the Bible. Just three verses we want to look at today. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let me read them to you, starting in verse 3. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. If Peter were here today, he would say, I bless God. I praise God. I praise God, first of all, he says, because of his great mercy. Aren't you glad that God is a merciful God? I want to declare a merciful God to you today. Peter would know that mercy. He was the guy that just before Jesus was going to be crucified, arrested, he told the disciples, and uh, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Not me. No, I won't deny you. Even if all the rest deny you, I'll stand with you. I'll, I'll go to the death with you, Jesus. And when he was arrested, Peter ran away with all the rest of them. He followed Jesus at a distance, ended up near a campfire. And some one of the girls around the campfire recognized, hey, weren't you with him? No, no, I wasn't with him. I don't even know him. And uh, again, somebody says, no, you are one of the disciples. You speak like one of the Galileans. You have that Galilean. I don't know him, I tell you, Peter said. Again, he cursed and he said, I don't know the man. And the rooster crowed and uh, he went off and wept bitterly. How could I have done that? I'm sure Peter was saying, how could I have done that? I walked with him. I ate with him. I saw his miracles. And then I denied him three times. He wept. But how many of you know that your story's similar? You, you need mercy too. I need mercy too. We've all failed him. We've all denied him. It, we've all messed up. And God has grace. Aren't you glad he's a God of mercy? He's a God of mercy. And Peter knew it. And Peter says, oh, I praise him because of his great mercy. He's merciful in that he does not want to punish us. Did you know that? God is just and he must punish sin. That is, he must. He wouldn't be just. And all sin is an offense to God. And listen, the bad news is we're all sinners. We're all the recipients. Does that mean we're as bad off as we possibly can be? No. We're made in the image of God. We're stamped in his image. 
And God made us with an awareness of himself, and there's goodness in people. But the fact is, the sin that is in us, the thoughts that we have, the actions, the failure to give God all of our worship and praise, give him our lives, these kind of sins, God must judge. But God doesn't want to judge. He wants to show mercy, because that's his heart. And so what does he do? Peter says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. That's God's answer. He says, I'll give you a new life. I'll give you a new life. I will create in you a heart that wants to serve me. I'll forgive you of your sins. And I'll come into your life and heal you and restore you. Jesus said, unless one is born again, literally born from above, Unless someone has a spiritual birth, something that God does in their heart, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Joining a church will not get you to heaven. Being a good Catholic, a good Methodist, a good Presbyterian, a good Christian and Missionary Alliance person does not get you to heaven. You have to have a spiritual birth. God has to do something in your heart, and he'll do that when you believe in his son. It's a spiritual birth. Jesus said, you know what? It's like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. And that's the way it is with the Spirit. He does something in our hearts. It's a hidden work, but you see the effects of it. I saw the effect of it in Tim and Landon and Beth. That's the effect of the work of the Spirit of God in their lives. You didn't see it happen, but God did it in their hearts. He did it in your, some, many of your hearts. And he caused us to be born again, Peter says. You know, none of us would even come to know God unless God were working in our lives. You wouldn't even be here to worship, and you wouldn't even be here to hear the message of Jesus if he's not working in your life. He's always working, and he's always wanting to show us mercy. And he causes us to be born again, the next phrase says, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope because we have a living Savior. Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried, Paul writes. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he appeared. He appeared to Cephas, the Aramaic name of Peter. He appeared to Peter, the other apostles, to over 500 at one time. They, in fact, you know that the evidence, the greatest evidence, I believe, that the resurrection actually occurred was the changed life of the disciples. Think about it. After the death of Jesus Christ on Friday, even on Sunday, they were held up in a room, and I don't blame them. In other words, the, they had, the religious leaders had taken by force with the temple guards, taken their leader, captured him, forcibly removed him, tried him, took him to Pilate, and they, he was crucified. And wouldn't you think, I'm next? We're next. They were held up in a room. The doors were locked. But after Jesus appeared to them, what happened in their lives? Next thing you know, they're out telling people he's been raised from the dead. They didn't care who knew it. They didn't care what would happen to them. In fact, over the next 40 years, they would each one of them would proclaim it. And tradition says that all of them, perhaps but John, were uh, killed, martyred for their faith. Martyred. For the fact that Jesus had been raised from the dead, can I tell you something? People will not die for a lie. People will not die for a lie. Well, let me, let me put one uh, exception to that. People will die for a lie, but they think it's the truth. 
those who attacked on 9-11 believed that they were going to receive a reward from God. Now, that's not the truth, but they thought it was the truth, and they were willing to give their lives for it. But that wouldn't be the case with the apostles, because they claimed to have seen him alive. Now, in fact, if, if in fact, Jesus had not been raised from the dead, and they claimed that he was raised from the dead, they would have knowingly been lying And each one of them would have perpetuated this lie for many years. I love the the testimony of Charles Colson. Many of you know the name Chuck Colson, who was special counsel to President Nixon during the Watergate affair. He was convicted of obstruction of justice, went to prison. But he became a, a true believer in Jesus Christ in those days. And he writes this, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me the 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. (laughs) And it's true. Their lives are in evidence, friends. This is history. Every one of the followers of Jesus Christ went to their death declaring he's risen from the dead. They wouldn't have done it. Listen, Peter says, we bless God for his mercy. We bless him for giving us spiritual birth. We bless God because we have a living hope. And this living hope now includes this, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Wow. Let's unpack that. God wants to give you an eternal inheritance. Let's just talk about an heir for a second. Let's talk about it. An heir is a person legally entitled to inherit some or all of the estate of another person once that person dies. In other words, sometime in the future, an heir will receive an inheritance that they did not earn. The giver of the inheritance earned it. But they're going to give it to the heir because of the relationship that they have with the heir. Does that make sense? Now... When a person believes in Jesus Christ, they are born into his family. And it says that all who did receive him, who believed in the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. You have legal status as an adoption to all to be an heir of those giving the inheritance of your parents. And Romans, Paul picks up this point. He says, you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. My grandkids call me Poppy. They call me Poppy. They don't call Vince Poppy. If they came up to Vince, they wouldn't call you Poppy, Vince. Why? Because they're not related to him. I'm their Poppy. And the Bible says when you believe in Jesus, God becomes your Poppy. It's a, Abba is a word of affection. That's what it means. Poppy, Papa, Daddy. You become a member of the family. Now listen, it gets better. And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Oh my goodness, you guys don't understand. <laughs> 
Let me put it this way. What if you got a certified letter in the mail tomorrow from Jim Walton's attorney stating that you had been made a fellow heir of the estate of Sam Walton? That would be a pretty good day. Right? Something better has happened. God is saying, when you believe in my son, I adopt you into my family and the inheritance that Jesus Christ has earned, you become a joint heir. You become a joint heir. Everything that God is going to give to his son, he, you're included in that inheritance. Wow. And Peter goes on to say, he describes it. He says, our inheritance is imperishable. Everything on earth is in the process of decaying. Our eternal inheritance in Christ never changes, though. It never passes away. Our internal inheritance can never be destroyed. Every earthly inheritance passes away. Do you know, that's quite an inheritance, $163.2 billion between all of them. Do you know that will have no value to them in eternity? And I'm not putting them down. That's, hey, you know, they inherited money. But just know this, you're not going to take that money with you. I'm not going to take what I have. I don't have $163.2 billion. <laughs> but what I do have isn't going with me has no value to me in the next life. But the inheritance from God is imperishable. It'll never pass away. He goes on to say our inheritance is undefiled. Nothing on earth is perfect. Listen, the, the Walton children have a lot of burdens with that money too. There's a lot of pitfalls that come with that. And some of you might inherit, you might inherit some rickety old house. Some of you aren't inheriting nothing, right? You just say, I don't have nothing coming to me, but... You might inherit something that's kind of messed up, like an old beat-up house, you know? I saw a cartoon not too long ago. It was a father standing next to his son in front of their garage. The, front, the door of the garage was open. It was just heaped up with junk, boxes, stuff, bikes, everything up there. And the, and the father says to the son, and just think, son, someday all this will be yours. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Great. I got to get rid of all this junk. But our, our, earth, our, our heavenly inheritance is not defiled. It's perfect. Then he says it's unfading. Isn't it true that our earthly possessions inevitably fade in their value to us? I like this keyboard a lot. This is a Yamaha CP300. They're going to come out with something better, and I'm going to like that, and this one's going to fade. You know what I mean? That's just the way things are. You like your new car in 10 years? God, i got to get rid of this heap. You know, it just it becomes a junker. Everything that we have earthly-wise, anything you could inherit earthly, those things fade. But our, earth, our heavenly inheritance will never fade. It's going to be forever fresh. It's going to be forever. It's going to bring you fulfillment forever, joy forever. And it's kept in heaven for you, Peter says. It's not going to be affected by the stock market. It's not going to, hackers aren't going to steal it, you know. Christ is having it kept for you, reserved and preserved in heaven. It's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, it's kept in heaven. And, but some of you are saying, yeah, 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 but get to the fine print. What is it? What specifically are you talking about? What do we get? What's in the fine print? Two things. In a word, 
you get God. You get the eternal creator of the universe. You get to stand in his presence, enjoy his glory, rest in his peace. You get him. The night before Jesus died, he prayed to God and he said, Father, I want those who you've given to me, those who who believed in me, I want them to be with me where I am. He's speaking of heaven. I want them to be there with me so they can see the glory that I had with you before the world was created. You know Jesus Christ wants you to see him in his glory. Everything else is going to fade away. Any earthly treasure, anything. Nothing has the value of being with the eternal creator of the universe. Nothing will fulfill you, bring you eternal joy like being with him. And the second thing you're going to receive is he is going to complete or give to us in completion all of the things that he has promised us. We live in a state right now that sometimes Bible teachers call already but not yet. Have you heard of that? Already but not yet. In other words, when we believe in Christ, we receive benefits. We already have things. We are forgiven by God. He gives us grace. He does give us hope. He brings us peace. But yet we're still in this world. We're still facing difficulties, problems, trials. He'll be with us. But we even have to face death. All of us. We're not immortal yet. But a day is coming when God is going to bring to completion all of the promises he's made. About that last day when Christ returns, Paul writes these words, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, we're not going to heaven in these uh, mortal bodies. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. What he's talking about is those of you who believe in Christ, when he comes, you're going to be instantly changed. You're not going to die. He's saying we're not all going to sleep. But, that, but he says we're all going to be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. Remember that phrase. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. So if you have died in Christ, when he comes again, he's going to raise that body up out of the ground. And if you're alive when he comes, your body's going to be changed instantly from this mortal body to an immortal body. I hope he comes today. (laughs) And then it says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? See, it's still future. It's, It's not yet come to pass, but it will, Peter's says. He quotes from Isaiah 25 and from Hosea 13, two Old Testament prophets saying, a day is coming when death itself will be put away. We're not in that day. That day awaits us when Jesus comes in his fullness, but it's part of our inheritance to be in a place with Jesus where we'll never die. We'll never be sick. There'll be no hospitals. There'll be no cancer wards. It will be joyful, peaceful, whole. You'll be whole forever and ever. He'll wipe every tear away from your eye. And I believe he'll redeem every suffering you've suffered in this life. Because I I just know that's the character of of God. And one last verse, verse 5. It says, "We, we who have believed, who have this inheritance, we are by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. 
We should bless God because those who put their faith in Christ, God will guard you. He will guard you. He will keep you. you. We are so united with Jesus that we are being kept by God's power till that day when we receive in full the inheritance he's promised. Wow. I love Romans 8.30. It says, and those whom he predestined, God, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. He, he, he declared them to be righteous in Christ. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. He puts it in the past tense. We haven't been glorified yet. When Paul wrote that, he hadn't been glorified yet. But it's as if he said, you know what? <laughs> he predestined, he called, he justified. It's as good as a done deal. He's going to glorify us. So he just put it in the past tense. <laughs> okay, I like that more than you. I'll leave that out next time. <laughs> the week before Jesus died, some uh, religious leaders confronted him. Think about that. Right up until the time that he died, Men were still trying to throw him off and trap him and trip him up. There was a group of religious leaders who didn't believe there was life after death. Can you believe that? I mean, the religious leaders, but when your number's up, your number's up. There's not going to be any resurrection. And so they come with their agenda to Jesus, and they, they try to make the belief in the resurrection. Things that I'm preaching about here today, uh, he tried to make, they tried to make it sound ridiculous. So they put forth this story. A woman had seven husbands, one after the other as each one died. And so Jesus, uh, since she was married to all seven of them, who will be her husband in heaven? They probably said kind of smugly, you know. And Jesus looked at them and said, oh, you're wrong about the resurrection. Because you don't understand the scriptures or the power of God. And he spoke to them and he said, do you remember what happened when Moses encountered God at the burning bush? Do you remember how God identified himself? He said, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Now, all three of those patriarchs had long since died when God was speaking to Moses. And then Jesus says, God is not a God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, if they could talk today, they would say the inheritance is glorious. Believe on him. <laughs> Trust on him. If Peter were here today, he'd say, oh, Hope Church people in Brunswick, you can't see it yet, but it's glorious. It's glorious. Some of us are getting closer to that than others, although none of us know what day will be our last. But but God has promised us an eternal inheritance. It's far greater than what Sam Walton left to his children. It will never fade away. Have you been included in the inheritance? Are you a joint heir with Jesus? Have you simply and humbly asked him to save you from your sins? And trusted in him for your salvation. You can do that today. Just like Tim did. It's, it's so blessed me. He just, after one of the services, and just simply, you know, we don't make, we're not trying to maneuver you or manipulate you or somehow emotionally stir you. But we present to you Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And ask you to place your faith in him. Tim did that just sitting where many of you are sitting. And if there's a stirring in your heart, it's not my preaching that has done that. 
It is God himself who wants you to come to know him if you've never done that. I invite you to place your faith in Jesus Christ. It requires a choice. Are you going to live for yourself or are you going to live for God? What do you want to do? How do you want to live? Listen, God wants to give to you the forgiveness of sins. Put your faith in Jesus. Any one of us who, it says, the Bible says, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we, we point to you. If you've done that, I read a simple verse in closing. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. What, what, what dominates all of your attention? You know, I have a love-hate relationship with my phone. <laughs> you know, when, when cell phones came out, I go, I don't, why do I need a cell phone? Now, if I leave the house without my cell phone, I, f I feel like I got to turn around. I got to go back. How, ca how can I function in life without my cell phone? You know? I think I need, I've got a problem. Hey, you're laughing because you have one too. You're always checking Facebook, right? If you're on Facebook, you're checking who's on there. If you post something, how many people liked it? You know? And the, but the scripture says, listen, we get, we get so earthly focused all the time. He says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of this earth. For you have died. Listen, you've died to your own life when you come to Christ. You're saying, I'm dead to my own life. I'm going to live for Christ. But then listen to this. And your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. <laughs> When he appears, if he's your life, if he's your life, when he appears, you're going to be there. You're going to be there. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence, Paul wrote. Listen, he who raised Jesus Christ will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. I don't have anything else to say to you but that. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to pray, and we're going to sing that song. If you were here last week, I promised we'd sing, Ain't No Grave Gonna Hold My Body Down. And uh, we've worked on it, and we're ready. And uh, we're going to celebrate that fact, because there's no grave that'll hold a believer in Jesus Christ down. Let me pray. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. It's a living hope. Through faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into a living and, and to an inheritance that is uh, uh, unperishable, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven. And I pray for anyone today who whose heart has been stirred, stirred. I know, God, that could only come from you. And I pray for just a willingness in any person's heart who says, you know what, I need to. I need to surrender my life to Christ, put my trust in him. I believe he's alive. I believe he died for my sins. 
and that he was raised from the dead. I pray for anyone who would just humbly reach out to you in the quietness of this moment for just a few moments. And Lord, for those of us who have placed our faith in you, would you help us not to be so earthly focused? God, help me to check my phone less, be less stressed, be less hurried. Help me to focus my life daily on you. And I pray that for my friends here. And help us to have this wonderful hope before us that someday after we die, you're going to raise us up out of the grave, just like Jesus was raised. What a blessed hope. What a glorious inheritance. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. All right, let's stand. Let's sing, let's sing together.
Jesus Christ who's been risen from the dead to an inheritance that will never fade, never be destroyed, kept and reserved in heaven for you. God bless you. Rejoice that he is risen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.